0: My guest on Talk Design today is Parker Whitehead. Now Parker has a really innovative story and a innovative product, which is Moonshot Camper Vans. Now the name itself is particularly romantic. Parker's Colorado-based, and of course, hunting, fishing, camping, all that is based in there as well. So he's right in the middle of things. And his product is kind of like the Lego for camper vans. So we're going to dig into this, and Parker's going to tell us a bit about himself, a bit about his story with what Moonshot Camper Vans is doing, and how it's making camping when you've got a camper van, modulized and simplified and brings you this ability to unplug and plug in modules that you need and make your vehicle, I suppose, have a wider use base. But you can use this thing for camping, and it is just genius. I love the product. It's really, really cool. Parker, welcome to Talk Design, man.
1: Oh, thanks, man. Great, so great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, look, I, I think that what you're doing is something really... Cool, because so many people invest in or so many people want to be in the outdoors. And you know, we've come off the pandemic, the COVID pandemic, and again, you know, somebody said this the other day to me on a podcast. The closer you are to nature, the better you the better you feel. And I went, It's so true, you know? And people certainly being locked down and stuff cra- craved, you know, being in the outdoors and you know, getting to I want to say hug a tree or sit under a tree or be part of nature once it became scarce suddenly became a real driver for people and yeah. what you're doing is is unlocking the outdoors for people in a not even in a new way but in a unique way and i love that it's you know innovation is often about taking something that's already established and then making it new again and making it easier for the consumer making it something simpler. And I think you've really achieved that. So tell us a nice. bit about nice. you and how you ended up in camper vans, man. Are you living in a house or are you living in a van? I'm living in a house now. I'm actually going to be living in a van soon.
1: Oh, wow. Because my, my job out west is, is a partial remote job. And then there's also the aspect of, let's say it adds a lot of validity if the founder of the company is willing
0: to live in his own product. <laughs> You're not <laughs> wrong. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a brother-in-law. I just prayed, then I just... Sorry, go. Go ahead. Go. Uh,
1: well, it's just then, you know, as I hit all those uh, national parks and stuff, I, you know. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hey, so, you know, yeah. like, this modular system, it's awesome. This is my
0: house. So yeah, exactly. It. Well, it's an interesting yeah. thing that, you know, like I have a, a brother-in-law who owns a property and he's got two houses on the property, one of which he leaves empty and the other one he rents out. And it, it's you know, like oh, maybe 20 minutes from a, a reasonable sized town here in Queensland. And he also has a very cool kitted out camper van because he's a big surfer and he's a surf coach and stuff like that as well. And yeah, yeah and so he'll travel a fair bit. And sometimes he might live in his camper for a month at a time or more yeah. because yeah. he's kind of on the road doing things. And then when he gets back, he's like, oh, I, I don't necessarily need to move out of this to, to just right. go because I'm only going to be out for a week kind of thing. So I like so, Turning the Wayback
1: Machine to yeah. <laughs> a couple like... 15, 20 years ago, my first experience with camper vans was I ended up buying a small school bus for a bunch of Quakers in Pennsylvania, Yeah, fitted it out, and lived in it for two years. And so I, I drove down to Florida. I worked as a yacht diver, living in the camper van, diving yachts, and then I traveled around the country in that for a while. And that's that's kind of what whetted my appetite for the whole concept and aspect of mobile living, of mobility. Yeah, and With technology now, you can actually do it really comfortably. So wow. a lot yeah. of people have gone with the option of, you know, being mobile, working mobile as well.
0: I know I've, I've traveled in America a fair bit and in, in traveling there. I often like to grab a camper and head off into the national park system and spend, We're you know, so like lucky. yeah a couple of weeks or maybe sometimes a yeah. month, even if I can wrangle it and just have a camper. Usually I'd hire the biggest thing I can, you know, not biggest I can buy drive, but big, you know, like six berth. Even though there might only be two of us, so there's plenty of room, and uh, you know, truck off into into. There's so much to explore in America. There is in Australia as well, but there's big distances between stuff in Australia. Where in America, you run into something quicker than you do in Australia, and and that whole just unplugging. But certainly, you know, you think of the technology now, you know, we've got, we can have the internet wherever we are. Mm -hmm. And so that means that we can generate income and work wherever we are. So this mobile home, as opposed to camp, just camping is, you know, the the bigger picture that you're looking, I suppose, towards. Well, but also,
1: anthropologically speaking, I mean, we're a wandering species. We've only been stationary for a while. Mass majority of the history of our, of us as a species has been a wandering species. Yeah. And something I'm seeing really interesting is there are people that are doing full-time. They just jump in full with both feet and do full-time van life and find Uh that it's a little bit more daunting. So that was a little bit of of a motivator for us doing the modules is that because they can pop in and out, people can do that nomadic lifestyle part of the year. Yeah. They can be stationary part of the year. They can, they can move part of the year. So maybe it's a little bit more. It doesn't seem quite as overwhelming as the stories I've heard from people.
0: So. Yeah, I think, you know, you look at those shows like the tiny house shows and those shows mm-hmm. where it's the minimalizing life type of shows. And uh, most people go, I think I could do that, but I'm not sure for how long. So, <laughs> right. so tell me about the Lego pieces. Tell me about this, the idea of plug and play pieces and mm-hmm. the kind of technology you've put into those and how you see the ultimately the big vision mm-hmm. of it.
1: So, I mean, essentially we went with a more of a luggage form factor approach uh-huh. as opposed to a cabinetry form factor approach. And we wanted to make everything that was completely self-contained. So the customer can order, we have three modules. Okay. Tell me the three modules. Yeah.
0: Tell me about those.
1: So there's the kitchen module, Uh and that has your stove, your tanks, your sink, all that you need. Uh There is the power module, and that is basically, that has your power regulation systems, your refrigerator. And then there is the storage module, and that's like tertiary storage space. And out of those three, that can be your basic setup. So those three units will communicate with each other. You can order them individually or as a set. Uh And then down the line, we're actually looking at a shower module. So that would be your shower and your bathroom in a single module. And again, just plug in. In. Yeah. Yeah. Again, same thing. Everything just plugs in. The other one that we have on the drawing table right now is a work module. So since so many people are working from their camper vans, we're looking at developing some sort of modular system that they can put in their and it'll hold everything they need for their work session. If they want to pop it out and go campsite and do their work session that way, they can do it that way.
0: Remote meetings, that sort of thing. Right. So they could they could literally unplug the work module from inside if they and and set it up under a canopy or something, or not even under anything, mm-hmm. under a tree, outside, yeah. and continue to work while they've got their their fridge keeping their goods cold. And they could yeah. unplug that as well, or no, they'd leave that in the van. Would they... they could unplug that as well. I mean, again, with the way technology and the way power systems
1: and lithium batteries work now, they could pop that out and it would be its own self-contained module, powered module as well. So the kitchen um, module. Go ahead. Yeah, go. Sorry. No, go, go. <laughs> so the kitchen module, the nice modification happened with that is we were running power to it. And then Dometic came up with a new system that's a USB charged faucet system with a dual tank. So that made that whole module completely self contained. Yeah, wow. We don't have to run any power. Yeah, not to run any power to it. And like I said, with lithium batteries, things are not as heavy. So the thing about the modules is they're submodular as well. So not a big heavy tank. You've got two smaller tanks. Not big heavy batteries. Smaller batteries. Everything pops out. You could pop a module out of the camper van and set it up and cook campsite and drive off in the the van. It's all about. Yeah, and drive off in the van. Yeah, so everything is about like modularity, submodularity, and being like transportable and ease of use.
0: That was mm. that was a big motivator when we came up with the product and to yeah. begin with. Yeah, wow, that's really interesting. Because you know, you think of even just say you were going to a cabin somewhere, and you went, well, yeah. we can just carry our fridge inside. You know, like we can just pop that inside, and I can take my work desk inside, and I can, you know, take these modules inside to somewhere, and they've got all my things in them. Don't have to be worried. Like most cabins, wouldn't necessarily have a fridge, but then you've got your your van, and you've got more space in it, as well as having the ability to use the van for something else if you at that time. I like that. Which that's, as we talked to a lot of camper van builder
1: or camper van dwellers, another thing they liked about it was like, oh, if I get an accident, I'm out of house and home. If I get an offender vendor or the engine blows up. Right. A lot of them said, you know, the fact that we could pop all these modules out and just pop them into another van. Uh That's a real
0: big value statement for a lot of people because it gives you redundancy. Yeah. And also you've, you've, taking an asset you can unplug it and sell it to somebody if you want you can unplug it put it in another spot you can sell the van you don't have to destroy the cabinetry inside it to to take the these valuable parts out of it and put them somewhere else you know you if it's all built in in a van then the van's a camper van that it, it, it doesn't give you flexibility when you go oh well i'm going to upgrade yeah sure take the mattress you know like But but the kitchen cabinetry and all those other items are actually built-in modules. You know, I I think of my brother-in-law's camper van and everything's built in. You know, there's thousands and thousands of dollars worth of interior form in there. And you could take some of it out, but you couldn't take out any of the really expensive parts without destroying it. Mm. That's really interesting. And then think of what you could
1: do for somebody else. I mean, think, yeah. of, think of like the goodwill that could be, done. you know, think of that yeah. somebody has a friend that they really want them to go camping. I'm going to rent the modules yeah. for you and then you can take your family out. So uh-huh. there's, yeah, there's a lot of flexibility in that system.
0: It, it takes it even further. I mean, right now, you know, moonshot campers, but you, you start thinking bigger about what modular allows it would allow disaster relief to be using it. It would be, it allows, you know, so many different things. You could be dropping, you know, a hundred of these modules into a place that needs them in an emergency. And um, Mm -hmm. all these modules are, you know, able to be powered up and off they go. And people have got a complete module. Okay, great. We can buy four modules come together. Great. We've got everything we need to make this area sustainable. Mm -hmm. I Like those kind of that kind of thinking.
1: Yeah, it's a funny story. I was hiking the John Muir Trail last year.
0: Yeah. So beautiful.
1: Picture of the John Muir Trail. Oh, so beautiful. Yosemite. Mm-hmm. Oh. So there I am. I'm at the I'm about to go up on Half Dome and I'm at the campground down there, just starting out. I'm gonna do the whole trail. I'm all excited. But I ended up meeting this older gentleman, really nice guy. We started talking about the modules and modularity. And then he eventually <laughs> confessed, he goes, well, I'm actually a retired NASA engineer and we did the work for the space station. So we designed and built all of all the, components the modules that went into the space station. And he said, you know, the modularity thing has been around for a long time. Yeah. because It's funny how people are
0: finally catching on to it. He
1: but well, we've been doing that with NASA for a long time for ease
0: of use and redundancy. Yeah. Absolutely. Like yes. it's it's so critical. And as you say, like a lot of these people, there's a lot of stuff that's been done modularly before. I used to work for a few years there training people at, at, at Airbus mainly was the, the main client, but in innovation. And so mm-hmm. I would be training them in unsolvable problem solving. And the number of times that you use the a very, very common innovation, what do you call it, like solution is break it up so if you've got something big break it into pieces you know slowly eat the elephant as they would say so when you've got something that is can it be made into separate pieces to then put it back together or it could they all be combined to make it into one thing as well it's a it's those are two very quick innovations kind of what do you call it solutions that when you're looking at a problem you go can i break this up can i mm-hmm. can or can i put lump them together and uh, you're doing that by breaking it up out of a bigger thing like the camper van and then what you're doing is is you're putting it back together but into a modular form these these modular pieces how like what do they weigh how heavy are they like how how does somebody Um, move them around do you need a forklift (laughs) oh no no i mean everything
1: is under 25 pounds yeah, because yeah. okay. you take be all the uh, you can take the internal components out and move everything because the casing and form factors themselves, like I said, we're going on a luggage uh-huh.
2: style yeah, of manufacturing.
1: Yeah. So you know the thing about luggage has to be strong
0: and light, right? So that's we've given that same approach. So yeah, you know, so I would like say lots at the most lots of 25 pounds. polycarbonate or what do you use for that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, we're we're going to be starting with polycarbonate. I would prefer to, for sustainability reasons, go. To a, an aluminum casing. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, and there's there's three or four American luggage manufacturers that, uh-huh. that do all of that. So everything is yeah. you know everything is press formed. Yeah. And the less plastic work we're putting out there for me is is uh, sure. the better. So
0: sure. Yeah, it, it's you want something that's recyclable and something that can be yeah. That, that again still lightweight Well, oh, titanium would be the other one wouldn't it just be mm-hmm. a little Xy. Yeah, yeah there's some interesting bio
1: materials coming around coming down the pike too oh okay that. yeah yeah good strength good strength man you've got good strength factors on them and in are the, um sort of bio they're not necessarily biodegradable in the sense but they're a bioengineered
0: product so again less plastics yeah yeah Oh, it's fascinating, really fascinating. So I imagine if you've got a boat or or something like this, again, this is just, it, it, it comes to mind, you know, is, is like, so we have, if you're in, from New Zealand, you'd call it a chili bin. If you were from, which I am from New Zealand originally. If you were from Australia, you'd call it an an esky. And I think you guys call it a cooler in America being like, you know, a, 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 an, an Esky, <laughs> like a thing that you carry your bear around in or you go camping with, you know, Yeti make those kind of modules of different sizes. But this is like that on, on steroids with, you know, suddenly your fridge mm. is doing all these other things. But people are used to taking modular stuff with them when they're camping, but not kind of in the sense of fitting out. And I think that's probably a really lovely, innovative part of this. How do you deal yeah. with... How do you deal with the fact that you've got, I don't know how many different van manufacturers in, in America, but there's a few.
1: There's a few, but I mean, within the camper van world, you really only have essentially two. Oh, uh, okay. So far as, yeah, so far as floor plans and floor layouts, you essentially have two. You have the smaller vans, the crossover type vans, um, mm-hmm. and then you have the Sprinters and the Dodges and the, big, the cargo vans. So and and they've started, got a very similar floor plan. They do. The floor plans are pretty standard, and a lot of that is because of regulation. Uh-huh. So the regulations are standard on width and length and height and all that kind of stuff. So we focused, we started out with the Mitsubishi Delica, which is a small four-wheel drive turbo diesel spaceship. Yeah. It's such a cool vehicle. Yeah. But, um, one. but that same floor plan is the same for like a Volkswagen van or a smaller van. And we changed our form factor so that we, instead of being just vans, the cool kitchen modules will fix into a ton of different vehicles as so we sized it just right. And then everything else, when you get a bigger all of those are going to be the same, same layout. Yeah. So it'll yeah. be, you know, they, they'll all fit in the same, same sort of uh, configuration.
0: So the standardization of vans makes it far easier to, I yeah. suppose, meet a broader market like a much broader market. Exactly. When you're putting these things in, how do, you, how do you secure them? Like, why aren't they just rattling around? <laughs> so we're using a light rail system. Uh,
1: so within like cargo vehicles, you have a, a rail clip-on rail system. Yeah. So we're using a light rail system for that for now. But what I really, would, and also anchor points that match up to the van anchor points. What I would really like to get to is some sort of, Adhesion system that can be activated so that the customer doesn't have to install any sort of hardware. Yeah. But, right. I mean, that's Velcro. That's, that's, <laughs> a well, lock. I don't know. You ever, you, know, you ever heard of lock? I don't think so. Stuff? So, Dualog is this, it's like super Velcro, it's waterproof. Yeah. And it comes in different, different types of adhesion properties, and it's really strong stuff. And if we could find a system like that to where you'd be able to do a lock
0: it in place, yeah, right. It. Yeah. Mm. Do, you, do you know the innovation story of Velcro? So he was that, in the I, Amazon, right? Wasn't it? Uh, wasn't I not seed pods in the Amazon. Maybe, maybe, but I, the one I know is, is he had a, a particularly hairy dog and was <laughs> he'd take the dog walking, and when I say hairy dog, you know, it was probably like a long-haired Labrador. I, I can't remember what in the story what it is, but he'd take the dog walking, and the dog would always come back covered in these biddies, like, you know, things attached to its fur. And so he was looking at that, and he looked at how it hooked, and you know, velcro is basically a hook or it's a loop that's been cut and then that creates the hook and then you need the fur as such on the other side so the hook and the fur can work together and i know there's some other ones now where it's kind of like two planes that slide together and and, and hook they mm-hmm. kind of push together where velcro just grabs wherever it is but with that yeah he he discovered it from nature of course and yeah in doing it it's like I don't know whether you've ever put down fake grass you know like synthetic grass everything but everything wants to stick to synthetic grass you know if you've got leaf litter it will stick to synthetic grass it's hard to clean it off you've almost got to vacuum mm-hmm. it and so those kind of things are like really interesting when you see that and that's almost like a velcro thing but it sticks to a, a lot of stuff like wants to adhere to it pretty easily. Yeah. So Yeah, I'm I'm always fascinated by those kind of things where you go how do you get something that will A hold a lot of weight and then B still be removable? And uh, in, in your modules, the weight isn't in the module, but the weight's in the G-force that it goes around a corner with, or, you know, like anything, exactly. like buses and, you know, b- boats and things like that. The weight is in that part that creates the the need to hold it down. Right. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the challenge there. But I mean, there's so much good stuff on surface adhesive technology. Mm. I'm sure it's going to be some sort of biomimicry
0: solution at some point yeah. it always is right mm-hmm. It always just is. about everything is yeah yeah yep. <laughs> most things most things seem to wash back to how did nature do it and then how do we do it yeah and the closer we... really interesting go ahead I can say the closer we get to the nature how nature does it usually we that's been simplified so heavily nature is like very good at taking care of simplification it, it doesn't get too complex it's maybe complex but then it works very simply right yeah there's a there was a i went to a manufacturing
1: lecture as mit media labs and it was really great because they were working with the city because of algae growth and just detritus growth within piping cost uh-huh. millions of dollars to the city uh-huh. so they're trying to come up with a solution for it and they found out oh huh shrimp hang out in the ocean all the time and they don't have any algae grow on them how is that so, they found the way the plates on the shrimp's body grows, yeah, prevents any sort of adhesion going with sotritus or, uh-huh. or algae, and so that's what they did started lining the pipes with the essentially shrimp shells,
0: yeah, wow, and then that keeps them yeah. clean, so that's, that's uh, clean, yeah things like that always yeah you know, that they're, they're so fascinating, like you think of. Yeah, how do you get water to the top of a tall building? And I think they use the technology that is basically a palm tree. You know, it's capillary action that carries it up there. Mm-hmm. Things, you know, like nature has solved every problem. It's whether we can unravel nature to be able to teach us how to do it with a mechanical edge or a, right. yeah, whatever it is that we're trying to solve. But usually the answer is there in that biomimicry. Mm-hmm. Okay. With the... With the modules they're pretty sexy looking things that you've got <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> they they yeah they they're very uh inviting to look at like if people go and search these up our listeners they will see how inviting these these items are they look like something that you want to engage with how did you come mm-hmm. about that design functionality there
1: so before I get started on all, all of this. This is, let's see if I can string this together in a really good narrative. (laughs) It's so way a long time ago, I used to be a minister. After that, I was designing and building museum exhibits as well as food trucks and mobile lounges. Uh What happened through all of that is there was this uniting string, this, 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 thread that went through all of it that you were essentially giving people permission to have fun and be okay so i took all of that into the museum design world and i was creating inner and these were all hands-on museums so i was creating interaction points for people to learn a lesson to have an experience that sort of thing yeah so with all of that that's why i ended up approaching the modules in the same way. Smooth surfaces, Mm -hmm. rounded surfaces that seem less, you know, a lot more approachable. Anything rounded or filleted tends to be very approachable. And I just wanted to create this thing that you can take out into the woods with you, and it's comforting. And it's a good intersection between design and the natural world. And And it's a tool to use, but it's also a Point of comfort because having lived in campervans, man, you pull down that that dark road where you thought the campsite was, and it's not there, and it's late, and you're hungry, and you're tired, and you're cold. Having something of comfort makes all the difference in the world. I love that.
0: I love that. Again, it's like there is something special about having something that a is beautiful, but b has this, as you say, this form, this rounded form and the softness to it and you don't walk into the corners of it you don't mm-hmm. bash yourself on it the same you know there's something i suppose inviting relaxing we often say to people within the housing market you know when you've got something in the in the housing market that is say i want you to come to the front door and i want you to walk to the front door in a certain way but I don't want to guide you with a, I want to guide you maybe with a path, but I I don't want to guide you with fencing. I don't want to hem you in. I want to keep it open for you. But I can do this with planting so that your subconscious mind, if I put plants with sharper looking leaves on this side, smaller and sharper or bigger and sharper, but bigger and sharper not so often. But that will keep you away from this side. And if I give you planting on this other side that is soft and rounded and and lightweight, um, and it can be bigger as well, that will invite you. You're more likely to, you'll subconsciously, you'll keep away from anything that looks like it could be dangerous. And the on the other side of it, you'll go towards something that's cuddlier and softer. You know, that looks yeah. looks more inviting. And so the same kind of thing in the mentality is, is how do you hold on to that side of the mentality just yeah. subconsciously? And that's why I said they're really sexy looking things. They've, they've got this softness to them that you go, oh, okay, that looks nice. That, that looks, you know, comfortable. That doesn't look like it could
1: kill me. It doesn't look like, yeah. essentially it comes down to, that doesn't look like a predator yeah exactly that's that's about
0: how we're wired isn't it it's it doesn't look like we're wired yeah yeah evolutionary
1: Um, psychology man
0: yeah it is that that whole piece of it is yeah that psychology piece and it suits to our flight or fight mentalities that we run on i really yeah and yeah i think that it looks really nice like and then what are you going to do with colorization of them so, you know, my wife, she would say to me, well, I need that. And oh, goodness, what would my wife say to me? Harry Winkle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reversing up there a little. Yeah, can I have that and, soft lavender, please, honey? Yeah, of course, dear. But then on the other side of it, you know, like I can imagine, you know, selling it in khaki, you could probably do really well except that. If I had it, my kids would leave it behind. <laughs> They'd be like, "I didn't see it mm-hmm. was in the bush, Dad." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, what will happen there's there? there's all
1: sorts of ways. I mean, there's there's enamel. We, you know, the the color choice could be based on essentially choosing a car color. So, you know, oh right, if you choose it, yeah. So, you know, they could be enamelled in a different car color. Uh, some folks that I was talking to, they said, you know, you could do uh, shrink vinyl on it. So uh, like, I was these, just, like, I cars. was
0: going to take
1: us there. Tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, just like you would do a wrap on cars, like good percentage of cars that are out there now, they actually painted. They get wrapped and Yeah, shrink vinyl. So we could do the same thing at luggage industry. Again, same thing. Those surfaces you see generally are, that's not a permeable permeated yeah. surface that goes all the way
0: through. That's just a, you know, a
1: surface treatment that's put on it. there's all sorts of things i mean beautiful
0: point of customization isn't it Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and it's really it's really nice
0: because they you can pretty much affect
1: the whole vibe of the interior of the van based on your color choices
0: well i follow a few instagram you know van life sites just mm -hmm. uh, because i'm in design and (laughs) i have a fascination for the outdoors i don't particularly want to live in a van However, I do have this fascination of just simplifying, constantly simplifying life. How do you have less? How do you have less? How do you have less stuff and more experiences? You know, And, and here's me. I design houses that are generally pretty large. And I'm constantly thinking to myself, this is a lot of space. You know, this is a ton of space. And how do we trim this back and get some sensibility around it? rather than just letting cost be the driver, always, how do you get to do those things? And I, I go with this modulized thing of being able to go, okay, we can put these things in, take them out, reuse them. But if we can personalize them, and I, I've had this fascination with this thing of wrapping things lately, when you come back to that, and that was where I was going to go. I made myself a little note <laughs> while you were talking. <laughs> Ask about, you know, wrapped vinyl. And again, I don't think it's necessarily that product friendly for the planet, which is mm-hmm. one thing. But we can't be far off cars being delivered with some sort of like, you know, your your, multiple, your, your options are whatever you want. And mm-hmm. um, it's got to be cheaper, I would say, to have a car wrapped, especially at factory stage, than it would be to have one painted and owning a big paint plant that does everything. And then when I look at what you're doing and I go, okay, go down that same mentality. How could you be wrapping these? And so when my wife does say periwinkle and I say, yeah, well, yeah, okay, periwinkle, yeah, but I would rather this, then, you know, there's this ability to go, okay, cool. We could, you can design an interior based around oh. being able to wrap these modules and I suppose mm-hmm. you could still buy them in whatever color you ship them in and still wrap them I've got a friend who just bought a new truck and he is wrapping it it's brand new straight off the lot and he will wrap it and I said mm-hmm. to him how come but why do not you just buy the color you wanted and he said well I did get the color I wanted he said but I'm going to wrap it to a different color and he said I'm doing a fair bit of off-roading in it he said I'll do a fair bit and so he said but then I can peel that wrap off if I scratch Mm -hmm. it or anything like that I can peel that wrap off and my paintwork underneath will be in really good condition yeah it's good for resale value, right exactly exactly and uh, you know you can just replace peel off a piece put a new piece on and so similarly Mm -hmm. in this you know you could do a van and it could be all hot pink and then you could do, you know, the passion pit van and then you could come over here and do the jungle van and do it in army greens and you know, I don't know, leopard skin. <laughs> you right. could do whatever well, you I want. I mean,
1: there's the overlands so you mentioned overlanding, so overlanding that's that's kind of an industry that's right for a little bit of disruption in the sense that all the overlanding gear is all heavy. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> uh, and I, have a lot of, I have female friends that are overlanders and they're like i hate the way the gear looks it's all yeah. so bulky and it's so military kind of so military looking it's so military and that's yeah. where it came from right yeah so a few of them that i've talked to have said that said you know is there is there an option for eventually doing some overlanding type modules that aren't going to look quite so muscular and masculine? Yeah, and that was part of the reason we developed this whole system is we wanted to you know be able to offer something that feels like something in your home, essentially. Uh huh. I mean, if you think about yeah. it, yeah. you're in your van or your overland vehicle, but it it still has the same feeling
0: as your front room in your house. Yeah, I mean, again, that's that comfort. It's that comfort of I think something familiar things. Yeah, something you have touched on there is really important, which is is how will it make you feel and so knowing that you've got something that functions and another thing with this is that that functioning thing so say for instance you you know your f- power module needs a service you could drop that off for a service or whatever and then you can still drive off in your van it's no big deal you can you you don't lose your vehicle for two days when it's when the power module's being serviced or something like this but then oh. That that gives you peace of mind and, and a sense of some sense of security that you, especially if you've got a high use vehicle and then outside of that, you can also go, how, how does this feel to me? So color is like one of our big, big points of emotional settings, you know, like what will the emotion does, what, what does that color evoke in emotion You know, Mm -hmm. certainly when you think around food, a great example of that would be if you advertise food with green and fresh light greens and stuff like that, that draws customers towards it. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't make them eat it. It's really interesting. It It says the story of fresh, but you wouldn't necessarily do a restaurant interior In those colors, you would do them in more warm and towards red colors because that stimulates appetite. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting when you do this and you go, okay, so this is a a module you're going to live in. And we have this often when we're doing interior design work with, say, something like a, a bedroom. Should the bedroom be or what should the colors be and what emotions will that evoke in the people who are using the room what evokes calmness what evokes you know passion what evokes what's the word i'm looking for here refreshing rejuvenation and you you look through clothing ranges and you see what they do with say yoga versus you know like Mm -hmm. say football gear these kinds of things you know like and that the psychology of how that fits and then you do this in a living space, take it a level further and then you do it in a van space and you're taking it a level further as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's
1: also Orwellian, isn't it? It's also like social engineering. Yeah. Interior yeah. spaces and brutal. Yeah. I mean, yeah, some of the brutalism things going on there and it all still comes down to the basic same basic thing. It's that primitive brain. Yeah hundred you know, percent. We haven't, we haven't evolved yeah. that far. <laughs> yeah.
0: We just got shiny layering. <laughs> we've got a shiny layer on top. Yeah. That's it. We've just, yeah, we've just, just polished it up. That's really fascinating, Matt. When are these, when are these coming to market? When are, when are you doing your, your main, um, what's the plan?
1: We are, we're in our pre-seed rounding. So, you know, being in the pre-seed rounds is just once all of that comes through, you're looking at about 12 months for, Supply chain and because we're going to be outsourcing everything, so uh-huh. of course, supply chain, and manufacturing, and shelf ready. If we can move that up by six months, that would be great too.
0: I mean, if we were ready for spring by spring, that would be awesome. So, okay, so if yeah. if it's say you know six twelve months to be sort of market ready, mm-hmm. how do people join up with you now? When I say join up, how do they get in the loop now? so that as you develop and there's a timeline firms up that they can grab hold of knowing that it's coming. Where do they go? Where do they register? What do they, yeah. Do they do they call so you they and can... say, my name's John. Can you please call me back on whatever day? <laughs> <laughs> they can actually just go to our website.
1: We have a pre-order campaign going on right now. So they can pre-order Fantastic. and reserve. And then that puts them into the loop and then we will let them know where the process is Uh and what we're doing next and and get them into the culture. Yeah.
0: Moonshot. So yeah, yeah,
1: just go to
0: moonshotcampervans.com. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's really cool because I think there should be a lot of interest. And also I imagine there'd be some great feedback that people can go, okay, so if you can do this, can I have one of these? What's next? Like what else can I have? Yeah. How yeah. will they go for boating? That was going to be one of my other questions when I said to you about boating before. Mm-hmm. Any any big technology shifts to take it on the water versus on the in a camper? Not really. No,
1: it's a funny backstory. Here we go again. Uh, <laughs> so originally, I was going to school to, or I was about to go to school for wooden boat building. So I was in uh, marine design. Yeah, cool. Water. So it's essentially the same thing. It's the same format. I mean, the stove section you'd probably want to have that on a gimbal. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's on a boat, but everything else, it's going to be the same sort of lock-in, lock-tight system. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I, I and love tiny homes too yeah yeah yeah
0: absolutely I love the fact that Mm -hmm. in your history of your background of where you how you've ended up at this point it it comes from these interactive so it comes from design and then from design it comes from interactive and portable is like in your DNA this is like another section of that DNA and you know like when you're saying about doing museum stuff and it's interactive and and it I suppose, educates as well with that education side of it. It's not that you're trying to educate people with this. It's that you've actually discovered human behavior and how human behavior works best for this. And Mm -hmm. I I think that that on top of you're going to go and live with your own modules very soon (laughs) would be pretty fascinating and a great way of growing your marketplace as in being visible, you know, being visible, Mm -hmm. even though it's one van. I recently, we haven't released it yet. I interviewed some guys who do, they're out of Colorado and they do containers. Mm -hmm. And so they're doing, when I say containers, they do all sorts of modular construction with containers. And they're one of the big companies that do this in the U.S., and th- some of these modules that you're talking about would be absolutely perfect in their containerized modules as well. And I'll put you in touch with those guys. That'd be a really good conversation for you. And with, I, yeah, I mean, the podcast will drop in the next know, month or so.
1: Oh, good. Yeah, I mean, really, if you think about it, I mean, it's 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 applicable for vans, but then it's also applicable for ADUs. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Which that legislation has been changing a lot. Cities are finding that's a better way to add density. Yeah. So yeah. it's applicable for tiny homes and ADUs. It's applicable for camper
0: vans. It's applicable for boats. Yeah. So Do you know, something that we're, we're seeing a lot of is what they call glamping. And I'm sure you're seeing that yep. in America as well. So people want to oh, go yeah. and stay in a fancy TP or in a fancy tent. Years ago, I went and stayed at Taronga Park Zoo, which is... The main zoo in Sydney and you stay overnight in the zoo grounds in a glamping tent so very very beautifully set out and probably the 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 thing and not cheap to do like it's it's a, a an experience you know you go animals after hours as well as animals before if the rest of the zoos open and then this luxury kind of experience the one thing that it I wouldn't say failed on the one thing that it could have given us that would have been really nice would have been, if we'd had one of your power modules in our tent with a small refrigerator, we wouldn't have had, we had water there. And, mm-hmm. but, but it was, it wasn't like chilled. It was, if you wanted chilled, you actually had to leave that environment and go somewhere else to get chilled water or something mm-hmm. like that. And also if we could have, again, again, just think of something as simple as coffee, we would have left that environment to go and get coffee in the morning. So whether that's good or bad, I don't know, but it was kind of like I look at that and I go in that glamping environment. It means that suddenly you can go, okay, great. I'll put module, module, module done. Glamping is is set up and then I can yeah. break that down and take it. You know, you are saying before about John Muir Trail and Yosemite, my first trip to yosemite i stayed in the high meadows for like 4 days and those glamping t- or not glamping camping tents up in the high meadows and was just yeah blown away by the experience it was my first kind of tent experience of that kind and you know we had a wood burner in there and all those kinds of things as well but there was zero technology <laughs> <There> was, yeah <laughs> We actually had a conversation,
1: a pretty fun, like brainstorming conversation with a glamping company. So the way they had worked it is their glamping setup actually rode on a platform and then they towed the platform out and put it in place as opposed to building one. Oh, right. And then the, the tent went on top of that. So then yeah. we had a conversation with them of, well, why don't we put our modules in the floor? So uh-huh. yeah, you get out, you set the platform up and then... You just basically pull the modules up into place and use them with the 10 over the top. And then when you're done, module slide down into the floor, 10 goes it out, and onto the next slide. Yeah, I love
0: that. I love that. Yeah. Fascinating. A there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity, especially when it's modulized. Parker, yeah. fantastic conversation. If you had to create one last module, if this was a you couldn't create another thing after this. This was you, you were done. This is your legacy module. <laughs> your legacy module. <laughs> oh, that is a tough one.
1: You know what it would be? It, it would be a hyper efficient. Let's <laughs> see if I can do this. It would be, and this is pie in the sky. So it would be some sort of hyper efficient module that was basically the Swiss Army knife modules that at the same time. Did carbon sequestration? Wow, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so you go out and it's you can use it for everything, and then you know that when you leave those natural woods, you've actually pulled carbon out of the air.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I love the fact that it leaves it leaves something behind, which is is that it's actually made the air cleaner for its purpose of being yeah. there. Yep.
1: Hmm. Mm.
0: I have a project that I've been working on off and on for a couple of years, which is an eco-resort. And this eco-resort has a big lake in it. Well, not a big lake, a lake. And a big lake, when you say that in America, that means like a sea. I'm talking about a lake that, you know, you can put maybe 10 boats on. That might be about it. And you could water ski on it, but that's about the size of the lake. So not a big lake. (laughs) A big dam, maybe, would be a better way of describing it for a a domestic-sized property, you know, a farm. And one of the options that we've been playing with is to do houseboats. Now, Mm -hmm. to do the houseboats, again, a platform with a modular piece that's dropped on top of the platform that the platform has a water filtration unit in it so that it is constantly cleaning the water in the lake. It's not just relying on the on the, on the lake to do the job, you know, and the, the plant matter and stuff in there. Get my words right here. Mm-hmm. What it's doing is, is it's actually self-cleaning that as it's going. And so it's improving the water quality constantly and using that for ballast as well as the mm-hmm. so it uses the ballast of the water but then it's filtering it it's going a filtration mm-hmm. thing because you start putting people on there and you know boats and whether you put powered boats I don't think we would but you'd you'd still have people kayaking and you'd still have people in row boats and you might have the odd jet ski and things like that so you're starting to pollute the environment with things that come from the land into there mm-hmm. and then all the surgeon and stuff is taken care of again modularly. that's that's part of the system yeah. that we're looking at using for it. So it's yeah, it's a few years right. in the a, away yet I think, but mm-hmm. it's that whole idea of how do you live simply and how do you holiday simply, is yeah. is maybe and it's, part yeah it goes
1: beyond the
0: whole leave no trace. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, like exactly. No yeah, it's yeah, it, it is it's leave no it's trace Yeah, and, and improve our yeah. improve our environment every time we touch it. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's yeah. So, Parker, I'm looking forward to seeing that final module <laughs> a few years. Down. <laughs> let's stay in touch and as as you yeah get closer to launch date, let's do a roundup on what's when the products are hitting the market and stuff like that and do a another yeah. chat and yeah that sounds great
2: that
1: would be um, really cool we, especially once I'm ready to launch the crowdfunding that would yeah. be a
0: great yeah, a hundred percent yeah. That'd be yeah. Great work. Yeah. I I think crowdfunding again is a beautiful way to be modular and mm-hmm. give people a opportunity to believe and be take part in growing something for the future. It's it's really cool. I think crowdfunding's a a fabulous way of approaching a marketplace and building a tribe of people who are conscious of what what you do. And they, they become your champions very quickly. Yeah. yeah. Cool, man. We'll post all your socials, all that kind of stuff on Talk Design. Guys, with your listening, please, by all means, contact us. Ask us questions. Parker is going to be more than happy to answer any questions you've got about the modules about what they're planning how they're doing that we have got more questions that we could ask parker as well so ask us things that you want to hear from parker when we when you write into us you can find us on talk design you'll be able to write into us from there talkdesign.show and you'll be able to talk to parker by signing up on his pre orders area in his website and we will as I say post all that on talkdesign.show and you'll be able to find it there and you can listen to your podcast wherever you listen to your podcast as well, because we're everywhere. And Parker, thank you so much for making the time and sharing your innovation with us. It's really special, man. Oh, thank you. It's a moonshot. Yeah, I love thank it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you buddy. so much. Take care. Cheers. Huh? Okay. Cheers, man.
2: Richard's Magic Arrows is brought to you by the Architect Marketing Institute. <laughs> Clean, simple, sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now I know fee pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, If it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking say three questions and this is called takeaway selling so this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you it's almost like imagine if you had some hot ch- chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them you put them in front of someone and then they went to reach out and then you you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you it's that type of thing so this is called takeaway selling so the first question you ask you say well why don't you just leave the situation as it is why why make the change That's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? And see if they follow you. See if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it. Because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now, while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.